The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Andre Salveson here with you on a, what is today, Thursday? Dude, I don't, you know what, today's not the day to ask me. Okay, I've had a rough 24 hours, all right? And then, like, a chunk of it hit me today. You know, I I burnt the Pop-Tarts in my toaster because I said that the thing was set up, like, six, not three. So I had black chocolate Pop-Tarts toasted overly, so I threw them away. I thought you liked things dark. You're such a punk, and you know it. What? Don't don't no, act I, innocent. I don't that, act innocent, you fetch. That's no. That's don't how you, you like to cook. That's <laughs> un- and then I pour myself a. <laughs> I pull myself a bowl of cereal. I spill that bowl of cereal. I wipe it up. Slip on the floor. Wipe out. Tear my ACL and MCL, and then grab two baskets of laundry, thinking I'm a he-man. Walk up the stairs. Well, the two baskets overwhelm me, and I fall back down the stairs. <laughs> and laundry spills all over. Karma. And then, it's karma. <laughs> that's what I told you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's karma. I've apologized. And you don't even care. You're like, <laughs> I like, tell you today, and you're like, <laughs> well, sucks to be you now, doesn't it? Have you learned your lesson? And I'm like, what? Shouldn't be speaking out of turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. It catches up to you. You're so mean. You're such a bully. (laughs) I will say it's nice today not have cameras pointing in our faces and like people just outside the window lurking. Did you not enjoy that? It was a little weird. I luckily I'm facing you. So I know you don't have. They're like looking in. People walking by. What's going on out here? Though I there's a camera right here, and so I can see your face on the camera, and then I can see your face right there, and I'm like. Oh, and then at every break, I need you to scoot up. Please put the mic down this way. I'm like, <laughs> can't even hear me then. No. Oh, oh crap. Well, well Eric, hopefully, hopefully that uh, that video that got shot will never be for public consumption. Oh, it better not. I didn't release my rights to it. That's for sure. I didn't sign no waiver. Somebody was experimenting with their toys. <laughs> and that's the last time they should experiment with their toys, period. Uh, <laughs> hey, Eric, uh, great night of basketball again. Well, depends on who you were watching and cheering for. <laughs> That's a good point. Too soon. If it was about the Aggies, yes. Another great defensive performance. Um, we think. Just locked down New Mexico. Uh, Nimi, you know, you and I talked about before who needed to step up and have a bigger game and who was going to need to play a bigger role. Neither one of us said Nimi, but man, he was an impact player. For I owe you a big apology because I remember before the season you had said. Look, the whole, or I guess it was just a couple games in, the whole thing of bagging on Nimi because he's not putting up the 2010 and 12 that he should be, quote-unquote, um, needs to stop because he's still a very impactful player in a lot of different ways, and he still does a ton of things for the Aggies. And he's a, he's a major reason why the Aggies are on a seven-game winning streak. And I just thought, well, he's not... I, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing the Namish of his freshman year. And I remember you said, wait, just give it some time and it will show up. 
And since conference play, he leads the league in blocks. He leads the league in defensive. I mean, I guess in defensive. Or the Aggie defense is led by Keta in points given up. And Keta is probably the main factor in why the Aggies lead the conference in scoring average in the Mountain West as well, five games in. It's incredible. Like, his, his, and his impact on how he affects the game doesn't always show up in a stat sheet either. No, you and that's they what were I'm missing saying. a ton and of that's shots. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Jeff Grammer, uh, I appreciate you seeing that and sharing that on Twitter. He posted the shot chart for New Mexico. Oh my gosh, so bad! It was so bad. How do you think? What do you do if you're New Mexico? Because they went 0 for 8 in their first eight shots. They couldn't hit from the perimeter. You can't go inside because either Ken or, or Keta or Bean are going to just put it back outside the three-point line. Like, what do you do? I mean, when you run out of options at this point. And I thought the perimeter defense was really good last night too, Eric. Yeah, I, I, I really liked um, – and Keta played a great game. They have adjusted and corrected the stat sheet, by the way. They the have? official box that I'm looking at it. Keta is credited with five blocks. Uh, Bean is credited with three blocks, uh, although I guess Dorius still is, only has uh, one block to his name, but I guess there may be some debate there whether he had one or two blocks. But um, but how uh, Marco Anthony played uh, on the perimeter, uh, like oh, Baristow did yep. in minutes that he played. How about Alfonso, too? And then I was, yes, that's I was going to lead to that. I thought the biggest contribution off the bench was Alfonso Anderson, that was the Alfonso we all know and love, and we've been waiting for this season to to show up. He's had some moments here and there in games, but he hasn't been able to put together a solid game like we saw uh, last night. And I loved what he was able to do. Just like, yes, it's clicking for Alfonso. Keep going. <laughs> and he, he had a great game. He had a couple. Did he have two and ones or just one? I think he had two, didn't he? I thought he had two. I think he had two. He shot well from the free throw line. It was funny, though, because um, the Aggies had made up to, I think, the second time he was at the free throw line, 15 straight free throws. And then he clanks that one. And they go to a break. And you can, I think it was Ashworth that goes up to him and kind of throws his arm like, Come on, man. We had a streak going. And so, but the, the great thing about Fonsworth, or not Fonsworth, Fonzo, is he's so good about just going to the line and knocking it down. We remember last year when against Montana State, we're in that battle with him. The lights are being turned off and turned back on. And the guy's in his first game inside the spectrum, and he goes eight of eight at the line. Like, and you could just tell the line, I, I it can get to some people. And it just doesn't ever affect Fonzo. I just thought he was so good. Yeah, he, he was the best of, of anybody getting to the line, creating action. And you and I have talked about this. You know, we we like some of the things that Keta does and and what being what he does in, in the low post, but they don't give themselves free points. Yeah, they yeah. they could be. We've at, we see that they could be a little bit more aggressive, forcing the action sometimes in the low post, and either go hard. Either you make a bucket or they have to foul you hard to prevent you from making yeah, a bucket. Yeah, that's a good point. And Ket only had two attempts, two free throw attempts. Wow. Um, but but Anderson was five for six, and, and I liked his aggressiveness. He was making things happen for Utah State. Yeah, by the way, Wooster. Okay, so I panicked on Keta. So speaking to existence, Wooster. 
Are you worried at all? I mean, he was one of two from the field. He was one of one from or oh one from deep. In twenty minutes, he had what one one assist. He had two points. Um, quiet night for him. Give me your well, thoughts. Well, he had points wise, yes. He only had one assist, but he'd have a steal, and he had six boards. So he was active doing other things. Look, he arrived on the scene, and we're. Our eyes just got opened wide, like holy cow! Look at this true freshman. Look what yeah. he's doing. He doesn't care. Yeah, who's a senior and who's not. Um, at some point, it's it was going to catch up to him a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if he's dealing with an injury or being cold, uh, having a cold or sick or or just you know there's just there's been some travel and just trying to get caught up in understanding the the college game and teams are figuring out who Raleigh Worcester is. I don't, I'm not worried. I, I, we, based on what we've seen at the start of the season, how this kid approaches the game, I'm not overly worried. Um, if it's an ongoing trend, then maybe we should start to look at a few things. But the other thing, too, is there's some great ball handlers and scorers off the bench. So if he's not on for any given night, Ashworth and Barstow have come along, and they're they're good, solid replacements for Raleigh Worcester. Yeah, and Ashworth has been so good on the court. And I, I think um, Raleigh does a good job of bringing a calming presence on the court. But I think there's just something about Ashworth that's like he's he's there. You know, everything's – I mean, it's it's and it's almost a Sam Merrill presence. Not saying that he is the effect of Sam Merrill. But it's just you know that he's going to put you in the best spot. Offensively, he's going to make sure that the offense is in place – and that you're going to get the best opportunity to score every single time. And then on the defensive side, the one big concern I had about Ashworth going into the season was his defensive ability. Like, is he going to get twisted in circles and is put in a spin cycle by every good guard in the league, or is he going to be able to handle his own? And for the most part, he's really, really good about just being under control, giving space, not too much, but enough to say, you know what, if you're going to try and get by me, I'm going to be able to beat you to that spot. And I again, I think Ashworth has been really, really good, especially considering this is a guy who came home from his mission in May. Yeah, the gyms were closed through the summer, and he's been trying to get his body back in basketball shape, just kind of as the season is going, because uh, he hasn't had a lot of time to prepare himself. So yeah, there's uh, there's some really nice bright spots on this team that have come along ahead of what we kind of anticipated. I think. Uh, nine three one five texts in. That drive from Nimi was crazy when he drove her to the basket and oh, dunked God. it on them like yeah. he was a big time ball handler oh, last man. night. <laughs> yeah, he's his ball. What's been more impressive to you, his ball handling or his passing skill? Um, I think I've been more impressed with his passing this season. Have you? Uh, I mean, he is right there almost every game among the leaders in assists for Utah State. So. Uh, understanding to see where the pressure's coming from, defensive pressures, and then recognizing where the open man is, that's a great skill to have as a big man if you want to go to the next level. Yeah, I, uh, and especially when he's backing in like on the left block and you got a guy on the right wing, it's either Ashworth or Worcester, and just being able to spot them in the corner of the eye, not having to turn his body all the way around and see it, but being able to just take a quick like blind spot look. And then making that decision, I yeah, I would agree. I think he's been much, much better at that. Um, on the other side, New Mexico, 
Is this team struggling that badly, or is Utah State this good? Let's let's have that conversation again. Because um, this is starting to kind of get in a ridiculous mode right now what the Aggies are doing to teams. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I think this New Mexico team is uh, really underperforming under Coach Weir. Um uh, they should be more competitive than they are. But look, they their preseason was a bunch of soft teams, yeah. and they haven't looked good against anybody in conference play. So shouldn't come <clears throat> as much of a surprise. Uh, but on the other hand, how Utah State has stepped up its game since uh, that three-game tournament in, uh, in uh, North Dakota, mm-hmm. I think it's really improved and it's impressed. And even the BYU game should have been there for Utah State. You know, a few calls go a little bit differently like they should have. And a few key possessions, they don't uh, kind of uh, flitter away. They do the right thing with the right, you know, just understanding time and clock and possession. But um, but I really like how this, this team has come together these last couple of weeks. And it's because they figured out how to do things better defensively. And that's leading to more confidence offensively. And that's what I really like about this team. It's a hallmark of Utah State right now is that they're a great defensive team. Yeah, the defensive part of them is what's really surprised me the most, especially from the perimeter. You knew what you were going to get from Bean. You knew what you were going to get from Keta. You knew we were going to get from Dorius. But like Raleigh, uh, Ashworth, I think Marco's been really, really good defensive. And his length and his size gives so many guards so many problems. And he'll be tested next week against San Diego State. He'll be really tested against Boise State. Um, but so far, those I, I would agree with you. I think those guys um, hanging in there, um, you know, staying the course and just not overreaching or getting too greedy on steals and such, and not putting themselves in foul trouble has been been big for the Aggies. Yeah, I, I, you know, New Mexico only had one guy in double figures, one McGee off the bench. Utah, it, Utah State really did a nice job of and it took them a while for him shutting to get down in there, everybody. Didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it took them a while just to even get into the double figure category. Uh, they just shot so poorly in the first half, and it was crazy that they were able. to – I mean, when they climbed, they got it to fifteen. Right, it was the closest they got it to, I believe. Mm-hmm. You were still kind of like, oh crap, you know. Here we go. Are you worried about it? You know, are they are we going to fall apart and? Um, I think that's when Fonzo came up with that big end one. Marco had a big three. Um, we got a big, uh, I think it was a floater from Ashworth. Uh, and then we were off and running again, and it was really never, um, the Aggies weren't threatened the rest of the way. But and, and then the other thing is we talked about scoring droughts for the Aggies that happened, I think, in the first two or three games. And now, I mean, they're shutting out teams for – four to five minutes, and New Mexico didn't score for like five minutes and 46 seconds when the Aggies went on, on a 11 nothing run. It was like a 30-6 to run to end the half, 23-3 to run to end the, in the final 346. Just nuts what they're able to do when they play great defense, how it trans, uh, translates into uh, productive offense and uh, vice versa. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and that's <clears throat> it, it, it seems like it's got – uh, there's buy-in from from everybody. I don't see that there's. I can't think that there's anybody, at least in the main rotation, that I'm seeing that's. Um, they're not buying into this the this defensive approach. Like guys are just taking it off or not taking it uh, as seriously. Uh, you know, Brock Miller was a uh, um, 
not hitting as much from from three like he has in, during this stretch. Uh, he's only one of five, but because teams know he has that ability and because he's been able to do that, he still is able to help spread the floor and make teams respect what he can do and has the ability to do. So I, I really liked how that team came together. Uh, only four three-point shots made. They really didn't need to put up a ton of three-pointers is based on what they were able to do all over the rest of the court inside the three. Um, but, uh, you know, would have liked to seen a little better shooting from beyond the arc for Utah State. But, again, it was – they win by 22 – or, excuse me, 32. <laughs> so, it's hard to nitpick too much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I mean, it's hard for us. What do you think Coach Smith is trying to do? He's looking around, he's like, like well – I mean, I can't yell at Keta. He's, he's he got another five blocks tonight. I can't yell at Bean because he's helping out Keta. You know, and I mean, I, I it's gotta be hard for him to look in the film and be like, look, we're not doing this right. We're not doing this right. Raleigh, you could do this better. Ashworth, you could smile more. Like, I, don't, I it's just hard to find anything these guys are doing wrong right now. I mean, maybe in the latter part of the game, things are a little bit sloppy. It's what you expect from guys who aren't getting a lot of minutes right now. But uh, other than that, I just think our starters have been phenomenal, and this is. This is crazy. The over-under was 12, and they cover easily. Uh, 9315 texts in. They've gotten way better. Can't wait to see what they do next week. That's going to be the that's gonna be the measurement stick, right? I think every team looks forward to that measurement stick game. Next week is it. And then the following week, Colorado State's not a bad basketball team either, no. and they're going to have to really be ready. Best preparation is going to have to be put forth uh, next uh, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, Boise got past Air Force pretty easily last night. Um, Those are the only games in conference play last night. So Boise and Utah State, uh, both 5-0 in conference play. Colorado State's 3-1. Nevada's 3-1. San Diego State and Wyoming are 1-1. And and so that's kind of your your top level uh, of the uh, Mountain West. And then after that, it's a lot of poo. I mean, just the after that, it really is this dramatic drop off. Wyoming is seven and two. Yeah, that was the last team that I mentioned. Uh, Fresno State, uh, they're three and three overall. Air Force is three and six. UNLV is one and four. San Jose two wow. and six. New Mexico three and five. UNLV so the top being half that is bad. is good. The bottom half is really bad. UNLV being that bad really surprised me. I thought they'd compete this year. Um. Boise State terrifies me, Eric. They scare me to death. And the fact that we're going to Extra Mile Arena to play them there, man, you don't get a lot of calls in that inside that arena. With or without fans, I don't care. Place is a scary, scary place to play a basketball game. And you got to go play both of them there. I ain't oh, not looking forward to that series. Uh, 8798 text in, it's never hard for a coach to find something to improve on. It's true. That's true. I, look, and if anybody can do it, Craig Smith can find it. He'll find something. Um, and he'll say this isn't great, or this isn't great. And, and yeah, eight seven nine eight is is right. But from our standpoint, it's hard for us to be like, yeah, well, this is not great. This isn't great, and this could be better. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's tough to do. It's but it's been impressive what they're doing right now, and got to keep it up though. Like again, that measurement stick will be, um, will shine brightly, but good or bad. Um, next Thursday and Saturday against San Diego State. Those were that's a series you have to split. Can't lose them both. Got to split. You got to split those games. Win them. Why do you have to split them? 
Do you... Okay, but realistically... Just look at the momentum Utah State has right now. Realistically, do we do we sweep San Diego State? Now, I don't know when the last time we actually swept San Diego State is. I have to look at that. Ooh, I don't know that that's ever happened. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know if it happens next week. I think out of the two games, maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll use that for a pick six, so I'm not going to give it away, actually. Uh, January 14th on CBS Sports Network. And then Saturday at 11 a.m. on CBS. Yeah, and by the way, Clark Kellogg will be there as the color analyst. I don't know who the play-by-play guy is, but I know Clark Kellogg will be there as the color analyst, which will be pretty cool. Guy who voiced NBA 2K for how many years? And eh. Is that all he's known for? Yes. That's, <laughs> that's voiced all the video game? Yes, because everybody plays 2K, except for you. You have to go play NBA Jam. NBA Jam. He's on fire. <laughs> Ugly shot. <laughs> and it clinks in. Can't tell you how many times Dude, I've had that. I used to do that when pickup ball would be like, Ugly shot just before they shoot it. And one guy would always get mad at me. Don't invite him back. It's annoying. <laughs> uh, if you want to weigh in on last night's game for Utah State or the uh. Utah Jazz, 435-339-0321. Or you can message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Hey, did you see... <clears throat> so, two things about Keta. Uh, one, he's two blocks away. We all thought he was one block away. Now it's two officially. Blocks away from uh, getting uh, or tying for first place with Gilbert Pete, 86-89, for blocks for the blocks record in school history in a career. And then uh, USU men's Twitter account put out the stat. Only players in the last 25 years to average 11-plus points, 8-plus rebounds, 3-plus assists, and 2.5 blocks per game. Uh, Dominic McGuire at Fresno State. Tim Duncan at Wake Forest, Namish Keta. Wow. Holy crap. But at the same time, that's kind of like an ESPN stats info when they're looking for something sweet on LeBron. The last guy to average 22 points and six assists and four steals and three blocks. And while dribbling 25 his, minutes of the game. And, 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 yeah, while dribbling with his left hand. And chewing his fingernails yeah, on like, the sideline. <laughs> so, you know, they, you know, some people kind of reach for a stat like that, but that's... That's incredible. That's amazing. That's best big man ever in Utah State basketball history, Eric? Uh, certainly think he is on that pace. Would you put him in the top three? I'm going to do this to you. Top three? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Absolutely. Wow, really? Yep. Whew. Okay, so we're talking about like Ty Wesley, Wayne Estes, right? Because he's considered a big man. Yep. Spencer Nilton, Gary Wilkinson. There's there's three All Americans on that list. I guess is there three All Americans on the list or just two? Ty was Ty was an All American, right? Ty was a uh, yeah, he was an All American. Gary was an honorable mention, or is he an All American at all? I thought he was. Mm. Wayne Estes was obviously. Yeah. Spencer Nilton was great. Man, where would you put Namish Keta in? In the top in the big men history. Wow. That's a good question. 
89315 texts in. Ajay, don't speak that into happening with San Diego State about getting the split. We can win both. I love the optimism. I'm just bringing, and you know what? You're welcome, Jazz fans, because I brought you back to reality, didn't I? Yeah, you're welcome, by the way. I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy. Oh, that game was bad in the second half. I don't want to talk about it. Do we, I watched the highlights, and I, I got through like to the fourth quarter, and I had to actually take like a 25-minute break from it because I knew it was coming, and I just didn't want to do it. And I went back and watched it, and I broke my computer nearly. I just, unreal. We'll get to the Jazz a little later on. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Maybe we just skip it. <laughs> uh, but one last thing for me from this Utah yeah. State game last night. Um, loved the play of Nimi. Loved the play of Alfonso Anderson coming off the bench. Uh, Utah State has needed that for some time. It just, I mean, it hasn't cost him any games, but um, per se, I think if he would have played early in the season like he played last night, maybe it's a different story in how they play in uh, in that Bad Boy Mowers classic. But, uh I just I really like the composition of this team and how it's come together. There were a few questions about all these new players, new faces, new system uh, for for these guys. Not a new system from Greg Smith, but uh, how would they come together? And uh, yeah, there were some moments earlier it was a little shaky, but I think it's coming together better. And you're seeing what that rotation is really coalesced into. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I'm still hesitant to get too excited or ex- extend myself too much because the teams that they have beaten are bad teams. But The teams <laughs> they are destroying are bad teams. But Eric, uh, San Jose State's one of those bad teams, right? So yes. Boise State beating them at the last second. Look, it's and I, and I said this on Twitter today that you might talk about their schedule, Mount West Conference schedule, the way it is. That's fine, but it's one thing to play against it and win. It's another thing to continually just thrash it, game after game after game. Eric, it's five straight conference games of eighteen plus point wins or more, eighteen plus or more. Like winning margins. True. I mean, come on. That's true. Boise State squeaked by San Jose State in game one. Yeah, sure, they got the crap together in game two, but it took game one. San Diego State struggled with Colorado State in game one, fell apart, and lost that game. Utah State is winning by an average of 33 and something points. 33 point something points in their first five games of conference play. That's the first time in school history that they've won their first five games by double, like by 15-plus points in the first five. They are one game away from tying the best start in conference play. Uh, there's that, uh, is it the Big West team or the WAC team? Big West team in 2 and 3 that went undefeated in conference play then choked against Cal State Northridge. Yeah. But, and this team is, is, is marching up that ladder with better competition. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I will concede that. It's not that they're just beating bad teams. It's how they're beating these bad teams. You're right. They are destroying them. 
They are blowing them out by wide margins. And you know what? They have to. They have to. Uh, it doesn't really affect your net ranking <clears throat> if you beat a, a quad four team by two points or by 20 points. But it makes a lot of difference in the committee's eyes. If they get to that point, if they, if they have that luxury to be part of that discussion, if they can keep things going into uh, early March, say, yeah, they beat some bad teams, but look how they beat those bad teams. They did what they were supposed to do. They yeah. dominated them. They didn't just squeak by. They don't have a five-game winning streak, uh, you know, just beating them by six points here or four points there. It's 18 points or more. You're right. It's total domination. Yeah, and I, they're just not getting enough credit for it. They're not. People want to keep talking about the schedule. I mean, again, talk about the schedule all you want, but it's the fact that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no one-point games right now. It is just, I mean, it is domination game after game after game, and it's been someone different almost every other time. We continually talk about someone different that steps up big. It was Raleigh for a couple games, and it was the Mish, obviously, and Ashworth, uh, Alfonso yesterday, I just and, and as a Marco Anthony... Uh, in that game two against Air Force, it just it's someone different. Uh, and as long as they continue to get experience and get minutes and get back into the groove, um, uh, yeah, I think they run away from New Mexico tomorrow, and then we'll see what happens with San Diego State next week. Two four zero nine texts in. They're five and zero because it's the first year they played five straight games against crummy teams. Again, like, <laughs> sure, okay, they're five and zero because they played five straight bad teams. Guess what? Boise State's uh, 5-0, but they squeaked by San Jose State, which is a crummy team. So, yeah. I, I They might be playing crappy teams, but they're beating the living crap out of them. Boise State, in their conference wins, um, let's see here, 77-53 over New Mexico, 89-52, 106 to 54 uh, over San Jose, 87 to 86 over San Jose, and then 78 to 59 over Air Force last night. Okay, so Utah State 107 to 62 over San Jose State in game one, 85 52 in game two, 83 48 versus Air Force, 72 53 in game two, and 77 45. So that's a winning mar- margin of what am I, make sure I got this right here. What, 45, right? 2, 5, yeah, 45, 33, um, 35, 8, 19, and 32. It's very complicated. You can tell me, you can tell me they're playing crummy teams, and you're right. But again, 35, 33, uh, 20, what is that, 35 again, 18 and 32. That's their winning margins right now. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's not their fault that they're 5-0 and against crummy teams. The schedule came out the way it did, and that's who they got to play. They can't rearrange the schedule to make you think differently about what their 5-0 and record looks like. They're the best team in the Mount West Conference right now. Until someone beats them, 
They're the best team in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, Boise and Utah State, their their conference schedules are mirrors of each other. They're dominating the same teams by close to the same margins with the lone exception of that game with San Jose State between the Spartans and the Broncos, which yeah. was San Jose State had that game won. Yeah. And then Alston made a late shot yep. to win the game for him. What uh, what team, I, I know we're speaking way ahead here, and Craig Smith would be absolutely livid with you and I if, as I ask this question, you answer it. Who scares you more, San Diego State or Boise State? Uh, that's a good question. Again, Smith is probably like about to rip his ears off if he's listening. <laughs> <clears throat> Both of them would give me cold sweats in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. Yeah, Mitchell Mitchell's a baller for uh, San Diego State, and Derek Alston is very talented when he doesn't shoot himself out of a gym. It's a good basketball team, and they got that new transfer kid who just came in, and he looks pretty good. He had a pretty nifty layup last night, actually. Um, Boise State terrifies me. I I think Boise State's got so many more weapons right now. Uh, and by the way, does Boise State play San Diego State at all this year? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do they do? They, they play San Diego State. Um, let me pull up their because schedule. I because I, I just think that matchup's going to be a little bit more comparable to what this, those two teams look like at the very end of Dude, conference gosh, play. Would you February twenty fifth and twenty seventh. Would you rather play someone early or late, like a, like a San Diego State or a Boise State? Because Boise State's got Utah State and the Aztecs at the end of the season. Yeah, that's true. That's a tough way to end. Yeah. Four straight. That are tough matchups. But you get Boise, but you get Utah State at your place. Yes, that's a big difference. With no fans, though. I'm intrigued. Um and, and I look, I, I love Utah State. I don't know if they if they sweep Boise State. And I don't know if they sweep San Diego State, but I like the idea. I like their chances of at least getting a split. We need you to work your special powers and speak it. No, because you know what? No, because I got in trouble for speaking yesterday. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up next <laughs> on the Full Court Press, there was another game of interest that some of us were keeping an eye on. Do we have to talk about it? Did not turn out the same. I don't want to talk about it. Utah Jazz fall to the Knicks. Oh. Uh, jazz are uh, struggling. I told you guys. A lot of inconsistency. I told you. You know, if you would have just believed me... And trust me, and followed followed the the uh, prophecy. You wouldn't feel so bad right now. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to weigh in on what happened with the Utah Jazz last night, coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio one zero six nine FM thirteen ninety AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in, joining us wherever you may be, whether it's on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the 106.9 The Fan mobile app, or if you're streaming us online, 106.9thefan.com. Or it could be that you're hearing this after the fact on one of our podcasts. Yeah. So Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being with us. Um, nice big win for the Utah State Aggies last night. Not the same story for the Utah Jazz. Started out 
okay, Jazz had a nice little lead in the first quarter, built it up to an 18-point lead in the second. Uh, And then the last couple of minutes, New York starts to make a few adjustments and uh, they get on a little bit of a run to close out the half. Jazz going to halftime with still a lead. Uh, But then the third quarter, the Knicks came out on fire. The Jazz didn't know how to make any adjustments. Uh, Jazz uh, uh, lose the lead. They're able to claw back and keep it close. It's about anybody's game. And then Austin Rivers just could not miss the last couple of minutes. The Jazz could not do anything to get the ball out of his hands or to stop him. And the Knicks win by 12, 100, or 112 to 100. Um, this is this is really concerning to me, Ajay, that this Jazz team continues to they have this this problem over these last couple of seasons now where an opposing team's guard if he gets hot they cannot figure out how to stop him they start cooking and the jazz just like let him serve up whatever hot dish he wants they just can't slow him down i told you it's a it, it's a problem defensively for the jazz they continue to, and it's it's been a defensive issue. It was last night. It was the night before. Um, it's going to be a problem Friday night when they get absolutely washed by the Bucks. To let a guy score fourteen straight down the stretch in critical minutes, fourteen straight is, and and I think a, a few of those shots, if I watched it correctly. Rivers didn't even have a hand in his face. He was taking a wide-open jumper. I mean, it's just such bad well, defense. Well, yeah, the <sighs> rotations weren't bad, were, were not good. Oh, they were horrible. Yeah, just like um, he'd run a screen and roll with uh, Julius Randle, and there wasn't help. And so Royce gets pinned behind a big man. He has to find his way to get around him. And by the time he gets there, you know, the shot's already on its way. Jazz were up by 18. Um... They were outscored 68-44 to 44 in the second half. They gave up near 70 points in the second half to the New York Knicks. Is this a starter's problem or a bench problem? I think it's a starter's problem. That's, I'm, thank you. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I think Donovan Mitchell's had an issue, too. Johnny Bryant's been known as one of the best development coaches, right? Uh, that's why the Knicks gave him an associate head coaching job. Um, do you think the loss of Johnny Bryan has hurt the development of Donovan Mitchell? Because I feel like we are taking seven steps backwards with this guy this year. I don't know if we take. I don't know if I'd say it's that dramatic. Really, dude? He's. He, I mean, he's turning over the ball at a very extremely high rate. I mean, and it's bad turnovers. It's it's whip around passes to absolutely nobody there. It's going through the middle of a double team and getting the ball stripped away. It's forcing a pass when, I mean, in, in the traffic. It's just bad decision making. I mean, what's what's going on here? Uh, Jimbo Redding. Do you follow him on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Always yeah. gives me a chuckle. Love Jimbo. Going into any uh, jazz game. I love Jimbo. He always has a suggestion for David Locke about something to yell out if somebody has a dunk. My or a favorite shot. is that if we lose tonight, then yeah, yeah. He has he every time. Yeah, for every game he's got one of those. I haven't seen his last couple though. Uh, before the game last night, it was he always tags David Locke, and sometimes David Locke responds to these. <laughs> it's kind of funny. 
says, maybe if Donovan has a monster dunk tonight, you could yell, oh my, start spreading the news. Don's dunking today. <laughs> IDK, just a thought. <laughs> and then, not to be dramatic, but if the Utah Jazz don't win tonight, I'm going to go to the nearest gym, open the front doors, and yell, Jordan, mom's here, let's go. So, <laughs> kind of random stuff like that all the time. So, that's usually what he's most known for. Just funny stuff like that. But he actually, after the game, posted something that I thought was really quite intuitive. Okay. He says, look, I like Royce O'Neal, but sometimes I wonder if we think he's a good defender because we want him to be a good defender. <sighs> I'm so sick of being right. You always stick up for Royce O'Neal. I know, I do. And he's gotten worse and worse and worse. He can't score. He can't defend. We need to trade Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles for a one-second round pick. Because that's all they're worth to me. They're both bad. But Royce's shot is starting to fall a little bit more. Earlier in the year, it wasn't at all. Do you have his line by chance? Uh, eight points. It's not bad. Two steals, nine rebounds. What was his minus? He had to be in the minus category, right? Um, every starter was in the minus. Category. Oh, see, look, that's wonderful. He was minus eleven <laughs> of the starters. He was the best. What? Don uh, Mike Connolly was a minus twelve. Uh, Boyan was a minus sixteen. Gobert was a minus 18, and Donovan Mitchell was a minus 20. What was Gobert's line? Gobert had 14 points, 5 blocks, 2 assists, 12 rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Bogdanovich is starting to worry me, too. What did he shoot? He was only 2 of 10. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. He's been bad the last couple games. And he's wearing the brace on his <clears throat> wrist now. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, the transition defense is atrocious, by the way. I but mean, Joe Ingles had his best game, I think, of the season. Really? What was his line? 16 points, three assists, two boards. What did he shoot? He was uh, 6 of 13 overall, 4 for 9 from beyond the arc. Good. The transition defense is horrible. I mean, it's a jailbreak for the Knicks, and it's 3-on-1, 2-on-1, and it's just, there's, I mean, there's no one back. I mean, the defense has been atrocious. The Knicks scoring 112 points on you shouldn't happen against a team that's defensively caliber as the Utah Jazz, quote-unquote. Um, how do you fix it? Now you got to go play Giannis and the Bucks. How do you fix this? I think it needs to start with defensive consistency, and I think that's where the problem has been. Um. There's been some games where they're just not there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, the defense has probably been more consistent than the offense has been, but I think that if the Jazz can be consistently good on defense, the offense will take care of itself because you get transition buckets. You limit possessions for the other team. But I just don't think that this team, I don't know what's going on. They're just not quite there. Being as aggressive and as active as they need to be. That's the, that's the thing is that once the Knicks cut it down to four, that game was over. That game, 
the momentum was completely on the Knicks' side. I mean, they and, and they just took over. Ball movement was better, sound defense, um, harassed uh, Rudy Gobert inside the paint, made Donovan Mitchell give up the ball or force him into bad decision-making. Um, it's, uh, it's just, once things go bad, this team just mm, falls apart. This is what you get in a 6th to ninth place Western Conference team, though, Eric. This is what you get. This is what you see. This is not a top-tier Western Conference team like everybody wants to think so. Well, look, it, it was <clears throat> the Jazz lost their lead, but then they were able to hang in there, and it was back and forth and back and forth. And then on a switch, Rudy, Rudy Gobert is out on the three-point line yeah. guarding Austin Rivers. And he chucks it up over Rudy with about four minutes to go, makes it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like a shot of adrenaline, and he's like, "Yeah, give me the ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do Austin Rivers things." And the Jazz are like, "Okay, you're Austin Rivers. You're not, you're not that great." But there was a couple loose balls. I but think. But then he just wouldn't miss. And when and the one, stop the one that really hurt him was, I think it was a long rebound or, um, might yeah, have been a loose ball. Out. Yeah. Yeah, and then Austin Rivers retrieved it, went back into the paint, and hit a floater. Um, right before it, the shot clock expired. Yeah, it took it from like a three-point game to a five-point game, I think, or four to six. And it just, it, it, it sunk the jazz. Like, loose balls going their way, getting beat to loose balls, or a bad bounce, or a bad call. Yeah, it just... <laughs> well, then after Austin Rivers is making these crazy shots, and they're like working around, and yeah. they're milking the shot clock, and they're getting a good look... Jazz come down and just quickly just chuck something up that seems rushed and it's bad and guys aren't in place to rebound. And then New York's back at it, moving the ball around, getting a good look, and Austin Rivers cooks. And the key word you said is right back at it. They didn't wait. They weren't like, let's go take more time off the clock. It was run back and go and get another quick bucket. Like, just keep pushing the tempo on them. Because the Jazz were fatigued. Obviously, it's a back-to-back game. Um, and the defense was just exhausted at that point. And... Uh, <laughs> Again, Eric, this is a sixth place to ninth place Western Conference team. This is what you're gonna get. So, like the whole idea of being the top tier Western, like that needs to go bye bye. Get rid of it. It that's not the Jazz, and that will not be the Jazz the rest of the season. Well, the way they're playing now, yes, but they have the potential to still be there. They just got to be more consistent, and that's their problem. It's always got to be something, right? It's always got to be, oh, we just got to do this. We got to do this. Or you're not going to get that. They just need Donovan Mitchell to score 50 points a game, Ajay. I mean, come on. What's wrong with Donovan? I love being a realistic jazz fan. (laughs) Another time out here in the full court press. Love to get your thoughts on Utah's fate currently. Is there four and four on the young season? 435-339-0321 here on the full court press. This is Kevin Harlan from Westwood One. Join us for the NFL Super Wild Card Saturday Triple Header. First, Phillip Rivers and the Colts visit Josh Allen and the Bills. Then, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks host Aaron Donald and the Rams. Finally, Chase Young leads Washington's defense against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If it's the NFL playoffs, it's right here. Saturday's Triple Header begins at 10.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Uh, boy, big weekend. As you heard the tease there during the break, big weekend for us here on The Fan. We're going to have all the divisional football games, or wildcard games, excuse me, uh, going on this, uh, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be all NFL playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun here. We've got some of the the best in radio play-by-play calling these games. That's going to be really cool to listen to. So it'll be fun. To. Yeah. So as you're out and about Saturday, <clears throat> Sunday, make sure you keep your radio dialed in here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. And there's some great matchups this weekend. And we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow, right? Yeah. Look forward get to that. Plane. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming I bet up. you have Taysom Hill. Leading the Saints to the Super Bowl. Wow. What do we got? Look at this. We got like uh, Why are you here? a lot of presents coming in. We're on air. I'm busy. <laughs> we just got uh, a bunch of stuff that's coming in here. Like candy. You know what? You were mean to me. Give me that back. Reese's dart buttercups. You, really, you made me cry today. A squirt? I want that back. You got a squirt? Banana cream pie? Wow, look at that. Look at these, all these fudges. How come? Or caramels. Look at that. Wow. Thanks for all you do. Love, hugs and kisses, miss you. Just kidding. Let's say all that. But it does say thanks for all you do from the missus. Well, it's very sweet of her, Ajay. Did you know that was happening today? No. Why is she? Give me that back. You made me cry today. Uh, yeah, you know what? I need to thank your mom, Mama Salveson. Yeah. You gave you know me some what? treats from Mama Salveson. I spoil you and you make me cry in, today. In a leftover Frickin cookie tin, but they were delicious. I feel bad. I want all my treats back. <laughs> wow, that was very sweet of uh, of of Mrs. Ringmaster. It's very sweet. Ringmaster. <laughs> Is she Mrs. Ringmaster? Is that what you call her? I would uh, better than Mrs. Deflator. (laughs) And coming up next hour. You asked for that. Coming up next hour, we'll get into our pick six. By the way, Jay Billis has the top 68 teams. He has the Aggies listed. Ooh, juicy. Uh, So we'll we'll reset what happened with the Aggies and the the Lobos last night. Stick around. It's coming up on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app or streaming online, 106.9thefan.com. And uh, we just had a nice treat here. It's, it's, oh, calm down. Okay, you make me cry this morning, and now you and now you want to kiss up to her just because she brought you uh, the wrong kind of chocolate. She didn't bring me the wrong kind of anything. Yeah, you, you don't, you're not a dark chocolate guy. Yeah, I, sure I am. I got dark chocolate Reese's peanut butter cups. See how gross that is? Oh, that's going to be delicious. Yeah, until you go and to the a bathroom. plate of, of caramels and like a banana cream pie. The only question I have is why did she give me a squirt? Did she get that wrong? Was that supposed to go to you? I don't know because I got a Mountain Dew Zero. It has my name on it, but I thought squirt. If any, 
one of us is going to get that one. It's <laughs> not me in this room. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. <laughs> no, but thank you. It was very nice. Very nice. Very thank you, Mrs. Ringmaster. Didn't ask for it, and I didn't want it, but thank you. <laughs> it's the gift you didn't know you needed. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't need it. Jeez. Hi, uh, Eric. We talked about it in the first hour. Again, welcome to our wonderful listeners. If you want to text in, love to hear your thoughts, 435-339-0321. Text in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the Aggies, who are now 5-0 and in conference play, uh, which ties their best R since 2012-13. When they went 5-0 and and then lost to New Mexico State in the WAC, got flo- uh, just throttled by the uh, New Mexico State Aggies. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it's a chance to be able to be 6-0 and and have the best start since 2-0-3 when the Aggies went undefeated in Big West Conference play. We obviously don't know how the end of that season went. But, um, Eric, uh, we talked about it in the first half. We'll talk about it again. Namish Keta is just continually doing great things. Uh, I'm so pleased with where he's at. And uh, what he has done is he has really stepped up his defensive presence. Uh, yeah, he could still be more aggressive in going to the hole and forcing the issue offensively a little bit. But he has a nice touch around the basket. Um, he, he's got nice handles for a guy his size. He's seeing the floor and can dish it out to the the open man. But what he's doing defensively this year has taken him to another level. I mean, multiple blocks a night. How, how many games have we seen so far this season where it's at least three or four blocks a game? Yeah. It's crazy. Five last night. We've seen multiple games like that. It's unreal the type of defensive presence he has. And then because of that, there are things that don't show up in a stat sheet in his favor because all the shots that get changed or affected or guys who were going to go to the paint and then back it out because Keta's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy what, I mean, they what, they shot all of eight from to start the game and I think their first three shots were in the paint. Well, were, I think two of those were blocked pretty quickly and they realized, like, okay, well, that's not working. We're going to have to do something different. Um, yeah, just, he's a problem. He's such a problem for... Uh, Anybody as a guard, I I, th- I think they'll be challenged. Um, I think they'll be challenged by San Diego State. You're gonna see how good San Diego State is here, uh, or how good the Aggies' defensive, both perimeter and front court, is coming up next Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I'm really pleased with how Utah State defensively, uh, they're they're taking a lot of pride in their defense just making it really difficult for their opponents in conference play to get going uh, and to um, really make them second-guess a lot of things that they're trying to do. 18 turnovers by New Mexico. Utah State also killed it on the boards, 41 compared to 29. This New Mexico team uh, has done a really good job of out-rebounding their opponents coming into this game. But Utah State just like, nope. Not against us. They have out-rebounded every opponent this season. And they had, it's the ninth game that they've had this season. So what, we are 7-3? and three? So out of the 10 games, 9 games, they've had at least double-digit offensive rebounds. That's incredible. Well, the, the three key stats um, that, that jump out at me every game is uh, who won the rebounding battle, who won the turnover battle, and who had more assists, team assists. 
that illustrates the type of activity that's going on. Utah State had 41 to their 29 rebounds. Utah had Utah State had 16 to their five assists, and the Aggies only had 15 turnovers to their 18. And a lot of those turnovers were the, by the Aggies were later in the game when it was more garbage time. Your second, third units in there getting get some extra time. So, yeah. um, just I really like where this team is at. Yeah, uh, we, we talk about where does this team go from here? How do they improve? Uh, look, we've seen. In each instance, the first game against San Jose, Air Force, and New Mexico, wide margins of blowouts. The second games, Utah State still handled their opponents, but they were closer each time. San Jose State was closer in the second game. Air Force was second in the clo- in the second game. And we should all anticipate that Saturday's game, excuse me, Friday's game, will be closer. New Mexico will make some adjustments. They'll try to be better about their ball handling and their movement and Try to counter what Nimi does in the post, because uh, their their team there really weren't very many effective guys anywhere on the court for New Mexico. No, not at all. And they're going to have some pride. <clears throat> they don't want to get blown out like that in two straight games. They may so, not have any control over it though. Well, like the way the Aggies team is playing, you may not. I mean, you look. You can go out there and play your best game, but if the Aggies play their best game, you're still going to get throttled. You walk off the court and you're like, I don't know what else you want us to do. We still played a great basketball game. Like Air Force in game two still played pretty dang well and lost by, or I guess in game one it might have been, and still lost by 18. Uh, 2965 texted in and uh, asked about the three ball from the Aggies, which was really good. Uh, what, what What did we shoot from three? Uh, I don't know if I'd say it was really good. That was one thing I said. I don't mean to nitpick, but it would be nice to see a little bit better three points. What did they shoot, Eric? They were four of 16. Okay, that's not great. And who had the – how many did Brock Miller have? Brock was one of five. Marco was one for one. Uh, Alfonso was one for one. And Barista was one of three. So those are the guys who made threes. Worcester put up an attempt and missed. Vudashev put up an attempt and missed, of course. Uh, and Max Shulga put up an attempt. Uh, Ashworth was 0 for three. He was 0 for six shooting overall. All the points he got were at the line. Not a – not a good shooting night for Stephen Ashworth by any means. Uh, eight seven three nine text in and says, "Skip the jazz talk. Let's talk high school wrestling. Look at the four A rankings. Four of the top five are from Region Eleven. Of course, MC's at number two. Uh, Ridgeline and Green Canyon tie at three, and Bear Rivers at five. Boy, oh boy. Hey, you know what was cool? There was a girls wrestling match last night at Ridgeline High School." And uh, we had a photographer there and, and shot it, documented it for Cash Valley Daily. Is it on the Cash Valley Daily website? Yeah, I need to read that. That's yeah, cool. Check out the really? check out the photos. That's cool. Yeah, good good for Ridgeline. That's pretty awesome. Well, it was a Region Eleven meet, so there were girls from all the high schools no from the, in the region. That's pretty awesome. Um, I I don't know a lot about girls wrestling. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I hope they're succeeding. Um, but in regards of boys wrestling, you know, MC still the cream of the crop. They've had a great schedule. I know they've had uh, they had to quarantine for a while, um, and so they were you know they were out of command. I mean, but they were going to face teams like Viewmont. They were going to face teams. Uh, I think I think Uinta. I think had to be postponed or canceled. Um, and they had another one where I mean they had three really good opponents set up, and then had to uh, push those aside because of of COVID issues. But I think MC still the cream of the crop of the four A. They've got ten returning kids. Who I think could be state finalists, and that's that's not an exaggeration. Ridgeline uh, is another team 
great talent. I'd love to see where they can what they can do in region duels. Um, Green Canyon's a young team. I, I would say they're young, but I don't know if they have in the, or they're in the tier of what Mountain Crest is. If any of those teams are in the tier of where Mountain Crest is, and, and I say that with all due respect, but MC's still a team to beat and will be for the rest of the year. According to WrestleUtah.com, who's got rankings for the wrestling teams throughout the state, regardless of classification, Mountain Crest is number one. Box Elder is number three on their list, regardless of classification. Um, so wait, you say MC was one and MC is number one. Three? Box Elder's number three. Bear River is number eighteen. Ridgeline number twenty three. This was as of the ver- the first of the year. Okay, yep. So that's just looking at the top twenty five overall. Uh, Mountain Crest, regardless of classification, they put them at number one. And we talked to Jay Tovey last week. Um, Tubby, and- Tubby, thank you, dude. I'm gonna keep doing that, <laughs> I know. Um, but it's it's really impressive that uh, with as young of kids as he has, he has freshmen and sophomores who can make some noise going into that state tournament. And oh, and the Richard Memorial tournament's coming up. That's one of the most prestigious tournaments, not in the just not just in the state, but in the western side of the country. Like that Richardson Memorial tournament is a is just an awesome. Awesome atmosphere with great elite wrestling from all over the state of Utah. And Mountain Crest has been more often than not very successful in those tournaments. And you talk about, again, a returning class full of state um, finalists, semifinalists, uh, just a chuck full of them at their disposal. They can make some, I mean, do some heavy damage and make a lot of noise in this thing. And, and again, I think Ridgeline will be up there. I think Ridgeline's going to be the one competitor to Mountain Crest for that Region 11 crown. I think Green Canyon and Bear River could hang in there, but I don't. they're not as deep as Ridgeline. They're not as deep as Mountain Crest. But I'd say, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be some fun when Region Duels come up soon. So good uh, good text from you, 8739. Appreciate you. And I'm looking through the individual ranks uh, for the, the girls, their their power poll that they put together. Okay. And uh, there's a number of Region 11 Girls on this uh, on this list based on different weight classifications. Mountain Crest has a couple. Ridgeline has a couple. So uh, yeah, best of luck to all the wrestlers. Is yeah, it, yep. it really starts to ramp up now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Month, and then when deals come through, and we'll keep an eye on it. Come February, I believe, is when the state tournament kind of gets closer. We'll we'll keep an eye on it and see where uh, both boys and girls are at, and and keep you all updated. Hey, uh, going back to Utah State, if I may, uh, Jay Billis, Eric. He put together his top 68 teams right now based on just performance and uh, and who they're playing and, you know, uh, margin, I guess, winning margin and such. It's, uh, he calls it the Billustrator, I believe. Um, and so he has San Diego State in there at, make sure I don't lie to you. I gotta look for it now. I just had oh, by the way, BYU's at fifty-eight. Boise State's at fifty-nine. St. Mary's is at fifty-seven. Uh, San Diego State's at forty-three, and at fifty-five is the Utah State Aggies. He says, "Quote: Like San Diego State, Utah State is a Mountain West team that was tough to get an early read on after losing a standout player in Sam Merrill, but." 
The early returns in league play have been good for Craig Smith's crew, and seven-footer Namias Keta presence will continue to be trouble for everyone the Aggies face. Eric, 68 teams. Do you feel like Utah State is one of those best 68 right now? That would put them as a tournament team. Yes, it would. Um, you know, Joe Lunardi's bracketology still only has two Mountain West teams. San Diego State is a seven seed, and they're dropping. And Boise State as an 11 seed, and they're holding steady. They have San Diego State as a seven seed? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Wow. Boise has a much better net ranking. Yeah. I kind of mind boggles me right now, actually. I, but I, I think I, San I Diego State, State has the better things. non-conference resume. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair enough. Based uh, on name recognition, but net rankings. Hey, asking about Nimiyash Keta, um, has he put himself in the NBA draft conversation? Or do we feel like, I mean, Sam Merrill is one of the better guards in the country, and he was, Eric, he was the last pick in the NBA draft. Does Nimiyash Keta still have a chance to get drafted in the NBA, or is he going to be after the fact and uh, a free agent? Well, it's, it's tough to, to compare them apples to apples because Sam's the position that Sam plays. There are a lot more players at that position. Are big men still wanted, though? Yeah, I think there's. If you're a big man that can do multiple things, if you're just a lumbering big guy that fills up the paint, that used to be if you were big and you had some weight on you, um, and you could get up and down the floor. That was your ticket to a first-round draft pick and millions of dollars. Yes, the NBA has changed significantly, but look, you still need an active big guy. I mean, look what Jared Allen did last night. Not last night, the night before for the uh, for the Nets. Nimi reminds me a lot of that kind of a player. Just thinner, lengthy, but is active and athletic. That's a good point. I... I wonder because Nimi still doesn't have an outside jump shot. I know he's kind of working on it, but his range is still pretty limited. His pass has gotten so much better. You brought that up, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, his defense is really, really good. Um, but I, I, I don't know if the NBA wants a big man whose range is limited like Keta's is. I agree that I think it would help him if he could illustrate that he can, on occasion, hit an outside shot and be a stretch five. Because that's the way it's going. Teams need everybody on the court who can handle the ball and uh, have the potential to shoot from the outside. Um, And then Jay Billis, he doesn't have him in the six mid-major stars. He has Marcus Williams of Wyoming. Um, on that list right now, uh, but he doesn't have uh, Alston Jr. on there. No, he does not. Surprisingly, wow. Uh, looking at the six surprises, he doesn't have a power five guy in there right now either. So, a yeah. group of five. Yeah. Oh, a group of five. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. major. I guess we should. Hey, and then for uh, basketball, if they approve the role of. Well, I guess when they, I should say, when they approve the rule, the one-time transfer rule, that you're eligible immediately, does Utah State get picked apart? That Power Fives come screaming for Raleigh, and if Namish does come back for one more year, that a Power Five does come after Nimi, or do you think we're going to be all right? Uh, that's, 
That's so individual, it's hard to know. Okay. I mean, that is certainly the fear yeah. by every mid-major Every program. mid-major, yeah. yeah. It's a good it's, point. I mean, I think it's a legitimate fear. But... Uh, and then that likeness will get, yeah, I think I mean, that... Seneca Knight today announcing he's going to, uh, well, he didn't announce it, but it was, it's was it been determined he, through uh, interviews that he's going to LSU. He just announced just the other day, like last week, that Seneca he's Seneca Knight's going Jose, to LSU? And he's going to LSU now. Holy smokes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Spartans. Just can't catch a break this year. Oh, that's rough. Speaking of the Spartans, uh, not their basketball team, but their football team, they're like stuck. Yeah. They've like, got a bunch of players. That 13 kids. Haven't been able tested, to get home from the bowl game yet. 13 kids tested positive. That's bad. I feel bad, man. That football team had such a great season and then had such a rough ending to it. You had you, your defensive coordinator was out. Your offensive coordinator was out. Your, uh, I mean, they got kids quarantining. Like, what a rough way to end the season. So those guys are still stuck in Tucson. The bowl game was over a week ago. Yeah. That's, well, hopefully you make it home for New Year's this upcoming year. Um, Go ahead. Just just real quickly, uh, getting back to basketball in the Mountain West. Yep. um, This is something that we'll keep an eye on throughout the season, these net rankings. They change every day because games happen every day. Um, Utah State has moved up a little bit. They're up to 82, which, yeah, it'd be great if that was higher, but <laughs> next week's games will have an effect on that. Um, but the other teams above them in the Mountain West either haven't moved or have slipped. Colorado State is is uh, at 41. Uh, San Diego State is at 32. Though earlier it was uh, Colorado State was ahead of San Diego State, so I guess the Aztecs have they did move up uh, a little bit, um, and then Boise State they uh, they're at twelve. And that still just blows my mind why they're ranked so high. New Boise, yeah, why they're so high in the net rankings? What is the net ranking? What are they looking at? Are they looking at just strength of schedule? Like, help me out with the net ranking. They put you teams in different quadrants. Uh, based on where you're currently ranked. Um, and so, how'd you do at home? How'd you do on the road? What'd you do in a neutral site? Um, they look at your overall record. And then they they call these quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four. So, based on where our team might be ranked in, in this system, uh, if you beat a team in these different quadrants that Shows you know, can where you're at that will help boost you or or drop you. So they they segment this big list of of teams into four quadrants, and so for Utah State, you know they have uh, they're zero and one against teams in this quad one. So those are they're zero and one against what you would consider a good team. They're zero and two against teams in the second quadrant, which are teams that are. Okay, mediocre, but they're they're okay. Uh, they haven't played anybody considered in quad three, and they're seven and zero in quad four. Wow! And then, so all their wins are against bad teams. Teams, yeah. And they haven't been able to get a win against a good or a semi-good team. Did they lose yet. to BYU? 
Utah State? Oh, sorry, Utah State. I thought you were my boy State. Yeah, sorry, Utah State. Yeah, no, that's true. They lost to BYU. Probably should have won that one. Um, would well, and I think that's what really helps Boise is they got that. Would VCU count as a good win? Uh, VCU, let me see where they're at. Yeah, they're uh, 25. Jeez. Oh, they're 25? Yeah. Gosh, dang it. And BYU. And we got smoked by them. BYU is 52. So that would have been a good win for Utah State. So their their chances to get good wins, it's not like it's out of the woods that they can't get other good wins. Yeah. They still have Colorado State, Boise State, and San Diego State on the schedule that could get them quad one victories. But Got out, a split out of conference, too. they missed some opportunities there. Got to split, too. I mean, you, you can't you can't go 0-2 against any of those teams. It's going to hurt. At the very least. Yeah, at the, at the very least. Okay, so let's let's do it. Two, four, six games. I'll set the over-under at, who'd you say? Boise State, San Diego State, and who was the other one you said? Colorado State. Okay. And then I'll set the over-under at... Three, no. Set the over-under at four and a half. Four, actually, I'll say four. So of the six games they would play against Boise State, San Diego State, and Colorado State, you're setting the line at four wins? Yep. Oof, that's a really good... I'm almost, I'm almost taking even. Almost um, just going to push. I probably would go with the push. I think that's a good... Four's good, good and four's number. not bad, right? You go four and two, you split with San Diego State, and you split with Boise. That's your hope. You sweep Colorado State, split with the other two, that gives you four and two. That's not horrible. Two seven eight seven Texan. It's because it's Boise, Eric, and they just win. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. <laughs> That's especially in their. It's place. not fault, yeah. Especially in. I mean, and the football situation is kind of getting intriguing the, the day after day after day, but that that's why they have that high net ranking. It's just because they're Boise, and they just win. Hey, they do it to Duke. They give Duke all the love they want, even when it's clearly not. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I'll push. I'll say four. I just don't think. Would I love to sweep San Diego State? Absolutely. Because then that gives you a little bit of buffer in case something goes wrong the rest of the year. If you sweep Boise, that gives you a buffer. You got it. That'd be great. It just gives you a little bit of room to breathe. I'd rather sweep Boise than San Diego State, though. If I had to choose one. Boy, that's going to be tough, though. I'm just glad, I'm glad that they're far apart. I'm glad we got... San Diego State next week, then Boise at the end of the year. Well, yeah, but it's San Diego State followed by Colorado State. Yeah. The only saving grace there is that all four of those games are in Logan. Do you think Colorado State's as good as – I mean, because do you remember the last two years? I think, was it two years ago? They were, like, on a seven-game winning streak feeling really good about themselves. And then all of a sudden, like, they came into our house and we smoked them. I think that was the game where uh, Namiish had that coast-to-coast dunk over Carvacho. <laughs> he looked really bad dribbling that ball down the court too, but he got the dunk. Colorado State they beat Fresno handily in their two games, and then they split with San Diego State in San Diego. So 
I, yeah, I think that Boise State, San Diego State stand above Colorado State. But uh, they're, they're a team to be reckoned with. Especially after coming back from being down 26 points in San Diego. Can't overlook a team like that. Yeah. But Utah State, they take on New Mexico tomorrow night. Uh, don't forget the time is changed on that Thank game. goodness. Not as late. 7 o'clock. And it's on FS1. FS1. That's fun. So that means the pregame coverage for uh, Al Lewis and Jalen Moore will begin at 6. 6. On our sister station, KVNU, with a full one-hour pregame. They always do a great job breaking it down. It's always great to get Jalen's perspective. Yeah, he's he's actually pretty... I, I haven't got a chance to listen to him too much, but when I do, man, he's got some great stories, too. Like, Because he has some good memories. I know he told a story about playing at Air Force. Um, he's told a good story about uh, playing at San Jose State. He's Man, his experiences and the, how he uses the stories are awesome. Really, like if you honestly get a chance to listen to the pregame, do it. And I love Al, but Jalen, it was really fun to listen yeah, to. Yeah, it's fun to get his perspective. And then as soon as the game is over, they'll be back on the air again with John Russell, breaking it down where you can weigh in and chime in on it. Uh, the only uh, Aggie postgame and that's, that and you, allows the you fans to, to, to interact. Join in. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, if you're frustrated about the game or you have thoughts or you're excited, like, utilize that opportunity to call into Al and John and express your thoughts. And they aren't going to, A, cut you off. They aren't going to tell you, like, oh, we need to go. Or, and they're not going to ignore your phone call. They're going to take it. They're going to listen to you. And they're going to they're gonna analyze your thoughts on it. And it's it's really, really fun. I, I hope you Aggie fans take advantage of listening to them on KVNU. All right. We're going to call a timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, it's pick six time, Ajay. I don't want to play. I already gave you a treat for the week well, anyway. Well, man, I got, like, way loaded up this Yeah, today. so I don't owe you next week if Between I lose, Between you right? and Mrs. Ringmaster, I'm, like, so going to be set. So I quit calling her Mrs. Ringmaster. If I, I don't owe her. I don't owe you anything next week. You owe her a lot. I do not. She is so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. That she puts this together and brings it in. I a was nice a- little note. My note said, hey. You would never do you that. You got chores when you got home. I don't know what note you're talking about. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy my squirt here during the break. <laughs> Pick six time is coming up next to the full court press. Uh, you really join just my squirt that. over here. You need you drink it or not? You just know what you're gonna do. And you know what you're gonna do. I was nice enough to bring you a drink today, and you probably looked at it and said, "Oh, it's 240 calories." Trashing it, you probably threw it away, didn't you? No, I'm saving that for later. I'm checking your garbage can tomorrow. Yeah, it's a ruby red squirt. It's delicious. That sounds so fattening. That sounds fattening? Yeah. Ruby red squirt? Yeah, it's like 600 calories. Thirst quencher. It's naturally flavored with citrus and berry. Thanks to the Mrs. Ringmaster for bringing that in. Uh, it's pick six time, Ajay. I don't want to play. Why? Because I... <laughs> it's fun. It's fun? It's sport. It's a sport? <laughs> it's a sport. All right. 
we invite you to play along. Yes. Shout it out at your radio. How would you vote when we talk about the six things we think might happen this weekend? Yes. Solid beans. And because, you know, the Mrs. Ringmaster brought in such amazing treats, I think you should go first. Well, I'll give you the decision. If you want to go first, you mean, or you want to you defer. You mean, because I brought in such amazing treats earlier today, I get to go first. Between what Mrs. Ringmaster did Why does and she Mama have to Ringmaster. Be Mama Ringmaster well, brought in some really nice treats, too. <laughs> oh, man. In that's one of good. your leftover cookie tins. If I get called the Ringmaster in a public place, you're going to get it. I'm telling you right now, there will be heck to pay. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go first. Uh, my man, Tom Brady, my Buccaneers going up against the Washington football team. The line is at eight right now, Eric, for Tampa Bay. I'm going to readjust that line and set it at 12 and a half. Over, under. Tampa Bay over Washington by eight? 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Ooh. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. Tom Brady has been here, done that. Cold weather doesn't matter. He's got the talent around him. Um, I think they're going to be ready to go. And Chase Young's comments about Tom Brady, I, he'll use them. The game's in Washington. Alex Smith is a winner under center this season. He's a winner under center Washington. this season in like his four games? Five. Doesn't he have five wins? I don't know, but Tom Brady has 11. 6.15 on NBC uh, at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Washington and here on the Bay. fan. Yeah. Oh, yes. On here on the fan. Uh, another game I'm looking forward to is Ravens and Titans. Uh, this will be in Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee on Sunday. Also here on the fan. Uh, Derek Henry's rushing yards versus the Ravens. I'm going to set it at 100 and... Well, 120 and a half yards over under. 120 and a half. Yeah. Against the Ravens. Yep. Man, that guy's a beast. That's a good line. Um, that Titans, D, or I guess that Ravens defense. Ravens, Ravens defense. Has been mediocre, but good against the run. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the under. Gosh dang, I was trying to get you. I'm going to take the under, too. <clears throat> Uh, and then finally, our wonderful Jazz versus the dominant Bucks. Bucks by 13 and a half over under. No, let's go. Uh, yeah, it was 13 and a half. Sorry. I'll leave it at 13 and a half over under. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. I still hold out faith. The Jazz will figure it out. Good for you. Okay, I'm looking at this game for another reason in one of my pick six. Ken? Sam Merrill points against the Jazz. Five and a half. Over or under? Sam Merrill points against the Jazz. Ooh, that's good. And you said it at five? Five and a half. Son of a biscuit. I'm going to say under. Okay, I'm going to take the over. There's some question about Pat Connaughton's availability. They may need uh, yeah. Sam to play more minutes. Pat didn't play last night. 
Okay. Utah State at New Mexico tomorrow night. Yep. Aggies in double figures against the Lobos. Crap. Please say. Please say. Four and a half. Oh. Over or under? Oh. Uh, under. You know you want to go under, do it. You'd be dumb to go over. <laughs> they usually have four in double figures. But you said it at a four and a half. consistently. <laughs> you might have outdone yourself on that one. Okay, I'm going to take the under. There you go. It's trying to help you out. Okay, last one for me. I think the game of the weekend in the NFL is in Seattle. Oh, wow. The Rams at the Seahawks. Okay. Seahawks, it's the closest Vegas line and uh, of all the games, and I think it's for good reason. Um, and so Seahawks over the Rams by three and a half points. Over. No Jared Goff. He may not be playing. He's uh, been upgraded. The questionable, right? Yeah, he says he's working on being available. Dude, even 100% Goff still sucks. <laughs> so 50% Goff ain't going to work either. I'm, I'm taking the over. I'm going to take the over as well. I should have said it more aggressive. I know. When you said three and a half, I was like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's all you got. Uh, six, eight, four, three. Sam has been out with a bum ankle. Will he play against the Jazz? He did not play last night. He was not even listed last night. He didn't dress last night either. Uh, I've been hearing that he is probable against Utah on Friday, tomorrow night. Uh, we'll see if that Still stands true. I know they want him in the lineup because Pat Connaughton is out tomorrow night versus Utah, and they want an extra shooter. Um, Jerry Holiday has been really good for them, but they want an extra guard shooter. And so, uh, I, yeah, we'll see. Let's hope so. Yeah, he's he's probable tomorrow is what I've is what I've seen. So, uh, the Jazz they did issue an injury report. His favor's out because he had right pinky soreness. Um, and. He's got knee soreness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but there's a couple. Joe Ingles might miss. Well, Joe Ingles is Joe missed. Ingles is listed as questionable with a sore right Achilles. Well, Joey's been sore, and Joe has been listed He is as the question- NBA Iron Man. Oh, he is not. He's played more consecutive games than anybody else currently in the and NBA. And you know what? He's been a, he's been the least productive guy of any of well, Look, I think play. he heard what you said the other night, and he came out and played really well for him last night in Good. New York. Wow. Let's like, see if he, I'm tired of that AJ Salveson. Let's Salveson. see if he can do it two games in a row. <laughs> let's see if he can do it two games. That's what we call a consecutive good game. Derek Favors is probable with right knee soreness. Gerald Brantley is out. He's not with the team. Juwan oh. Morgan is out for health and safety protocols. Trent Forrest could be dressed again. Man. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, Joe Ingles has been questionable the whole entire year. He's been questionable the last year and a half. So, no, uh, no surprise there. I think Mrs. Ringmaster needs to send a treat basket to Joe Ingles just to say, "Hey, appreciate what you do." Hey, appreciate for you not getting sixteen points in one game and giving up forty-five points on the well, other maybe side. Maybe he just needs to That's feel wonderful. a little love, and he's tired of all the negativity me? from the ringmaster. All the neg- all the negativity. He needs a little love. Seen as never mind. Um. Yeah, Joe Ingles is looks like he needs to retire. I'm I, I'm just not seeing it in him. 
It's bothering me. I'm more bothered. Well, okay. Do the See, Jazz need to mix up their lineup and give Joe a start? Yes. I take Royce O'Neal out. Uh, Joe Ingles is more has been traditionally much more effective as a starter than a bench guy. Why do you think that is, by the way? Is that just a mental thing or what? It could be a mental thing. It could be just that, and I think Royce, maybe a little more effective leading the second unit defensively. But do they, the Jazz give Shaq Harrison more minutes? I would, I think they should be giving him Shaq Harrison more minutes. Just say, look, you're known as a defensive guy. Let's see what you can do. Can you do any better than Royce has been doing? Because it's like the Jazz team have just yielded the toughest defensive assignment to Royce O'Neal, and like, it's you, man. It's all on you. We're just going to kind of keep close to our guys, but it's all on you. Yeah. And so they're like kind of laying out and not all in as a team. It's just like, oh, yeah, we got Royce. He'll just take care of us. And if Royce can't handle it. Which he hasn't. Which he hasn't. Then the opposing team's guard just gets cooking and Jazz can't slow him down. Do you? Yeah, so I, yeah, maybe you put Joe in the starting lineup. You, you take Royce out and see if Royce can do better off the bench. I think Shaq Harrison needs more minutes. Um, I feel like that might help. Um, I would. Goodness, I would say. Um. Do you? I wouldn't say limit Donovan Mitchell's minutes, but maybe limit more touches. Because he is a turnover machine. I know. You give me that look. No. But he's a turnover machine. He's costing you more possessions than he's helping you. Bad, bad turnovers. We paid this guy $175 million to go turn over the ball five times a game. Six times a game. He had four turnovers last night. He's playing like Dante Exum. Oh, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. You By the way, there? how bad do you feel for Dante Exum right now? I don't feel bad. Where is he? Is he even on an NBA towards roster? Towards Achilles. Just towards Achilles with the Cavaliers. When? Uh, a week ago. Did he really? Oh, well, I do feel bad for yeah. him. Yeah. I was like, when you said no, I was like, what the fuck's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, holy crap, man. Brutal. What's going on? Um, I start. I probably put you in a bad place there, though, too. Uh, yeah, I. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan had Mitchell. Four turnovers last night. Three against the Nets. We had three against the Nets. But yep. what did he shoot? Ten to twenty-two against the Nets, right? I think he shot yes, 10, ten of twenty-two. What did he shoot last night? <sighs> you had to ask that after I clicked out. You cl- you always do. <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> Uh, last night he was uh, eight of twenty-three. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. Oof, yeah, he does have a tendency to feel like he has to put the team on his back. Sometimes that works great, and it helps the team. But there are other times where he just doesn't have it, and he keeps getting in the air and in bad spots, and then tries to kick the ball out or do do a little too much. It's hard. You, you got to trust your team, but if your team's not hitting, you have the ability. You got to go to work. I think it's just part of his maturity and and uh, growth as a player. We'll get there. 
Okay. You better get there. With you, all the money they're okay, spending exactly, and committed to them. Exactly. Do you, and you think that this team, Eric, let me ask you confidence-wise and be honest with me. Do you think that the Jazz will, is still a top four team will finish in the top four? Yes. Look, every year they've had slow starts early in the year, and then they've turned it on and been dominant at certain stretch stretches for long stretches during the regular season. There are times where the last couple of years they're a little bit slow early on in the in the season. And we all start wringing our hands and pulling our hair like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And then it starts to get dialed in. That's how it's been the last three, almost four years. Yeah, I, I I think the second half of the season, for whatever reason, treats them a lot better than the first half, and maybe they make a push. But Golden State's starting to play better basketball. They they yeah, competed true. with the Clippers pretty well last night. They're they're still sitting, I think, six in the West. Um, that's yeah. I just there's teams are going to be getting better as the season goes on. Jazz might be one of those teams. The question is, is it going to be too little, too late? Uh, yeah, that final uh, Clippers beat them one hundred eight to one hundred one. But you're right; the that same, game was tied with Golden like State two minutes was left. in that game for a, a big chunk of it, most yeah. of it. All right, gonna call another timeout here in the full court press. Uh, when we come back, uh, there's a busy day tomorrow. A lot of things that are going on. We'll uh, again remind you when to follow the Aggies. Jazz are playing. We got high school games. We got a bunch of NFL games this weekend. It's a busy weekend, and it starts tomorrow. We'll re, uh, uh, we'll we'll let you know what's on the calendar and how it's going to happen, how you can follow along. That's coming up next. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Utah State men's basketball, they play tomorrow. Uh, they take on New Mexico in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance, I told you this, I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the game uh, last night for Utah State. I monitored it and kept my eye on it, um, but I wasn't able to watch it. Uh did they allow fans in that arena where they were? Do you know? Where? In Lubbock, Texas? No, no fans are allowed. Okay. So there would have been, there would not have been a Matt Wells sighting then at the game. He was there. He was there? He was there. Yep. Just not as a fan, as in a... Yeah, I don't know if he would be going as a fan. I don't know if he wanted to be going to Lubbock, Texas, cheering for Utah State when you're in... And you're in Lubbock, and I guess it wouldn't matter because New Mexico is New Mexico, so maybe you are cheering for Utah State at your former school. Um, yeah, he was there. Oh, cool. That's good. Uh, let's see. 5763 text in. Can someone find out if Exum had missed more games due to injury than games actually played? Yes, that is true. He seems to be made of glass. Yeah. So fragile. Yeah, he's missed more uh, He's missed more games than he's played in his career. That's really sad. Which is actually. really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I, I think, because when Tyrone Corbin was here on that Exum, I think Tyrone Corbin had a little bit more of a, a lengthier leash on Exum. 
gave him more freedom to run and move and do what he wanted to do. When Quinn came in, he just chopped that leash in half and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch you closely. And didn't like what he was seeing for the most part. Didn't feel like he was adjusting well. Didn't feel like he was defensively in the right spots. I mean, and then you'd, still, you'd see Exum got there. And I think we talked about this when Exum was here. You know, Exum would play for four or five minutes, make a couple mistakes, and get pulled and be out the rest of the game. I think it was the Memphis game when they were in Memphis, and uh, Exum made a mistake. Quinn kind of got after him. Exum came back and tried to fix that mistake, but still made the, um, you know, still made an incorrect rotation, and Quinn pulled him. And Exum's coming off the floor and said, what do you want me to do? And then Quinn didn't even look at him. And so I think there was a short leash, and that really didn't give Exum the mobility. But I don't know who to blame. I mean, do you blame Snyder because he's not given, you know, uh, a length your leash to, to Exum, or do you blame Exum because he just wasn't getting it? And that's tough. And so it's, it's tough. But Jazz got Jordan Clarkson out of it. And, and see, I look, Dante. I appreciate what you were best able to do. midseason trade ever. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Was <laughs> Jeff Hornacek a midseason trade? Mm, maybe. Mm, I don't know. Was Jeff Hornacek a because he was in Phoenix, right? When he came here? Oh, he was in was he in Phoenix? I thought he was in Philadelphia. No he way. He might have been in Phoenix. Was he playing for the he wasn't playing for the Sixers, was he? Best I think mid- you're right. I think he was in Phoenix. I was gonna say I think he was in Phoenix because he came here in ninety four, right? Was it ninety four? We still had uh David Benoit. Felton it was in the Spencer. middle of no, it was in the middle of the season. What year? 93-94 season. Okay. Trade deadline deal f- uh, from Philadelphia. So that will pro- that's probably the biggest mid-season trade ever. For the Jazz? For the yeah. Jazz. I can't remember a lot. They haven't made a lot of mid-season trades, have they? Not a lot. Jazz traded Jeff Malone. That's right. And a first, a future first rounder for Jeff Malone. Mm-hmm. That was a great trade. Yeah, I remember liking Jeff Malone, but he was limited. Oh yeah, Jeff Malone was nothing compared to that. Hornacek helped change the Jazz future to get them to the. He was Spread that missing piece that got them to the. Uh, NBA Finals. That consistent outside shooting threat. Yeah, it's too bad about Dante Exum. I didn't know about him tearing his Achilles. I feel bad. That's too bad. But yeah, it's a, that's is a guy who's had more time on the bench or in physical rehab than he has on a court. And it's too bad. Uh, so tomorrow, Utah State takes on New Mexico, seven o'clock on FS1. Pre-game coverage for uh, KVNU game day begins at 6 with Al Lewis and Jalen Moore. Um, we got several high school games going on tomorrow. Um, and then the last couple, some uh, makeup games are happening this weekend and early next. And then uh, region play gets started next Friday. And uh, next week we'll do a lot more of a, kind of a preview and breakdown what's going on with, with high school basketball and, and region play. But uh, a busy NFL weekend, those playoff games, a triple header 
here on the fan on Saturday, and then another triple header on Sunday. We'll have those playoff games here on the fan. Uh, tomorrow night, Utah Jazz play at Milwaukee, but because Skyview plays tomorrow, we will not have that Jazz coverage. Uh, but the, the Jazz are at Milwaukee. Uh, Ajay, you think that the Bucks are going to just run away from the Jazz? Yeah. Are you kidding me? We lost to the Knicks. And I can guarantee you the Bucks are a lot more talented but, than the Knicks. Yeah, but Knicks aren't, aren't bad. They're having a good season. They're oh, having a bit of a renaissance. This ought to be good. Can Milwaukee is favored by five and a half. <laughs> okay. And you're saying it's going to be more than 12 and a half. Yeah. What makes you think it won't? Austin Rivers put up 14 straight against them. <laughs> I still believe in the Jazz. I mean, calm. Oh, my gosh. They'll make their adjustments. It'll be Rudy versus Giannis. That'll be the defensive assignment. That'll be uh That'll be a fun game. You're trying so hard. The Jazz to play well against Milwaukee. You know what? It you b- believe all you want. You're screwed. There's <laughs> no love. Take that, you peanut butter and jelly. No, I'm uh Reese's dark chocolates and banana cream pie and yummy caramels here that Mrs. Ringmaster brought in. I can't believe you ignored my treats and loved those so much more. I didn't ignore you. That gonna, sucks. I'm going to use them. That is depressing. They're going to be delicious. I will devour them. Thanks to Mama Salveson, too.